You know, in that outline uh, a little while ago, thing I didn't take the time to give you because we didn't have the time then was the Bill of Rights. That, that actually, you know, a lot of these pious Christians, the ones that don't vote and don't leave tips at restaurants and so heavenly minded that no earthly good, they, they make a lot of fun of the Constitution. Yeah, I got the Bible. That's the thing I read, you know. Well, tell that to all the Christians that had scriptures through the dark ages and couldn't preach them. God gave us the privilege of an open door. And he did it with a Bill of Rights. And that absolute, that Bill of Rights was absolutely brought into existence because of the Baptist preachers in Virginia. I went to the largest Baptist college in America, Independent Baptist College, Jack High School. I'd come back there like Welcome Back Carter, you know, years later to teach there for 10 years. But I, I was a student for five years. I never heard one thing. I don't like a man getting too close to me talking about turning me on. <laughs> but as long as you keep... Thank you, son. Thank you. Thank you very much. Elvis has left the building. Yes. I never heard one thing about any Baptist preachers, maybe except for Charles Spurgeon, in five years of college. You understand what I'm telling you? Look, I told you before, you go on down, when I was here last time, go down I-75, I northbound lane, coming out of Tennessee, mile marker 90.6, look to the right, right? Two o'clock, there's a gigantic billboard, Love's Truck Stop, next exit, Boonesboro. Hello, Daniel Boone was a man, just a big man, remember him? Look straight to the right, three o'clock, and you'll see a house and a little clump of trees with a stone wall around the clump of trees. I helped put those stones in place. That's a little cemetery plot, about three graves in, in, by those trees. You can see it from the highway. Who's, who's buried there? Nobody special, just the, the man that built the first Baptist church in Kentucky, Boonesboro, Andrew Tribble. He used to pastor the Tates Creek Baptist Church in Virginia, Thomas Jefferson's neighbor. And Jefferson used to go to his home. Um, pardon me, he used to go to his church. Unsaved man. He had a, an aunt and a sister who were Baptist, Thomas Jefferson. He'd go to the Tates Creek Baptist Church monthly business meetings to watch the Baptist vote. Dolly Madison stated that he once said that he was able to view democracy in action in a Baptist church. He used to bring Reverend Tribble to his home for dinner in Monticello. He's just buried down near the cow paddies out there. Cows walk around. There's not one Baptist preacher in a hundred that even knows that, much less normal human beings sitting in the pews. You know, a Baptist minister wrote to him, My Country Tis of Thee, the most patriotic hymn you grew up singing. Do you know that? Samuel Smith. Do you know a Baptist preacher wrote the Pledge of Allegiance to that flag? Francis Bellamy. We don't know this stuff. John Leland was the Baptist preacher in Virginia pastored two churches at the same time, and he was the one that literally got James Madison voted in to go to the uh, Constitutional Convention in Virginia to vote in the, the uh, Bill of Rights or the Constitution against Patrick Henry, who wanted to scrap it to give us, uh, uh, rewrite it so you could put religious freedom in it. And Madison said, we got to get our foot in the door, get something passed, we'll tack on a Bill of Rights. That was, that was the argument. You can't know all that, but it's in my book. It's been out there forever. 
And, and, and because the Baptist preacher listened to, the, to James Madison and gave his last minute endorsement, the Bill of Rights passed, the, the Constitution passed in Virginia uh, by only 10 votes, 89 to 79. The miracle, these are all miracles. I got a photograph in my book right here, a picture of the park in Virginia where the Baptist preacher's home stood with an historical marker there to tell you that's where the Bill of Rights came from. Nobody knows this stuff. But God gave that Constitution to us to give us a 250 years of peaceful, quiet and peaceful life to get the gospel out. That's what Philadelphia means, brotherly love. We had it. And we threw it away. Remember that door? Remember that door? I set before you an open door. No man can shut it. I started illustrating before at the doorway. The Lord's in the church, opens the door, and sends the church out with hearts of brotherly love. When you get to Laodicea, it's reversed. Did you ever notice it? He's outside, knocking, trying to get in. It's, that's because it's the church of the Laodiceans, not the church in Laodicea. Ain't that something? How come he can't get in? Because he's not a Calvinist. If he's a Calvinist, he'd break the door down. If any man opens the door and lets me in, I'll come in. They won't open it up to him. He's outside. You say, but wait a minute. He said he could come and go. I open and no man shut, and I shut and no man open. How come he can't get in? You know what you need to get into a, a door? You need a key. That's why you read in the Philadelphia letter, I have the key of David. That opens the door. That's why he comes and goes. Well, how come he can't get in at Laodicea? Hello, neighbor. Anybody ever heard of B.B. King? He wrote a song that said, Somebody changed the locks and my key don't work no more. Isn't that what a woman does or a shack up even that don't want the husband or the boyfriend in anymore? She changes the locks. That is how wicked the church of Laodicea is. We've locked the Lord out of his own church. That's why that constitution is going bye-bye now. And you're going to have to hang tough. Listen, neighbor, if you're not saved, can I explain something to you? The world's coming to an end. Nothing personal, but maybe you just need a loud voice. George Whitfield used to say the Christian church is in a deep sleep. Nothing but a loud voice can awaken it. We're just trying to help. I go to North Carolina to preach all the time. They say, Brother Grady's here to help us. I'm just trying to help you. Turn in your Bibles to Job 24. Job 24. Don't mind me. I... Um, I enjoy this church. It gets gets me excited. I love my country, and I'm, I'm hurting to see it collapsing. You know, I was in my bedroom sitting on the floor one time with my back leaning up against the, the, the waterbed, and you know the Lord showed me something? You know that flag? It's just made up of two things. What's that song from Stars and Stripes Forever? Ain't that something? Those blue, those what, those stars on that blue field, mate. Don't worry about that glare. It's here to hit, keep your attention. Here, that make you think of some place you want to go when you die. But you can't get up there because of the sin. So you got the rest of the flags made up of stripes, stripes. Amen. That ring any bells? 
You know, it's funny. You got 13 stripes because 13 in the Bible is a number of rebellion. 13 colonies rebelled against the king. But it's not 13 red stripes or 13 white stripes. It's seven red and six white. Because seven is God's perfect number. Seven notes on a scale. Seven colors in a rainbow. Seven, seven means a seven. That's God's perfect number. And six, you know, it's a number of man. Seven plus six is 13. You might need a God man. Take your stripes for you. Been in your flag all these years. And, it's, and isn't it interesting? It's not six. It's not seven white and six red. It's seven red and six white because you can't get into the white stripes without going through the red ones. And here's another quinky dinky fifty stars. It just happens to be the number for liberty in Scripture. Year of jubilee. Every fifty years, you got your friend. Fooey on Biden's Puerto Rico and Washington D.C. All right, Job chapter twenty-four. Uh, preacher, forgive me, but I get a lot of liberty in this church. It messes me up. Really, it wears me out when I'm here. For real. I, I drank two cups of coffee this morning. All right, Job 24, one verse, verse 1. Why, seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know Him not see His days? If you don't read that verse right and, and, and you don't pause at Him, but you pause it not, you get the exact opposite meaning of the verse. Isn't that funny? Look at it that way. Why, seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know Him not see His days? It's do they that know Him not see His days is how you're supposed to read it. You know what that says? I mean, how many of you think God knows what's going on, right? Don't we all? Some black preacher preached a sermon one time entitled, Did it ever occur to you that nothing occurs to God? He knows what's going on. So you know what Job is scratching his head over? He says, if God knows what's going on, how come the people that know the Lord don't know what's going on? But you know, you can know the Lord and not know Him. How many of you folks know people that are married, but they don't know one another? A lot of people are saved, never spend time with God. Let this mind be in you. They don't do that. So what Job's saying is, if, if God knows what's going on, and you know God... How come you don't know what's going on? That's what he's saying. You know, in Chronicles, uh, the children of Issachar were commended for being men of understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. In the Gospels, Jesus balls the Pharisees out in Matthew 16 for being able to read the weather signs, but you can't read the prophetic signs. I mean, David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and I just had you sit down in the grass so I could feed you. You couldn't see that? That's me he's talking about. Nobody home, look. Yes? You know, God wants you to know what's going on in the last days. Do you know what's going on? Father, I pray you'll bless us now. And what a good... This is just one of my real favorite places to preach. It's just unreal. So many old-time Americans in a good part... I mean, Kentucky was the first state to go for Trump in that election. First state called for Trump. I remember back in 1993, Lord, when I sold those King James Bible books over the phone to... Thousands and thousands and three, five thousand printings the first year all over America. I know, Lord, I kept the track of the, of the states, and Kentucky had the highest King James only demand for that book. I remember that 25 years ago, I still remember. Thank you for the privilege to speak here this morning. Now, Lord, you gave us a wonderful service last time. That's old manna. We don't deserve a diddly anything, Lord, but have mercy on us this morning. and. Lord, the people are much hungrier now than they were even then. 
because things are different now. Please, Lord, with us. Lord, I remember that sweet girl I met this morning at Subway, Grace. I didn't know she just got saved a few months ago. She was so excited, told me she's going to come back tonight to church. Good night. I thought she was a Christian her whole life, the way she looked. Thank you for being merciful to this church, still working. I pray now, Lord, you'll clear your throat this morning and not only, not only let us know you're here, but let us see you with that demonstration of power Paul talks about, 1 Corinthians 2. We love you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Jack Hiles used to say, I worked for him for 10 years, he used to say there's three kinds of people in the world. The first group of people make things happen. The second group of people watch things happen. And the third group of people don't know what's happened. Most of the folks I know are in that third group. I'm telling you, neighbor. That's why you get into a church. You know, look, this is nothing personal, but this is Kentucky. You're not supposed to be that sharp and that spiritual and that up to stuff. That's how it is. You got power down in the south. Up north, they got the they got the they got the prayer room. They got the nurseries, but no prayer rooms. Down south, no no nurseries, but they got plenty of prayer rooms. Up north, they got the doctrine straight half the time, but dead as Yankee Stadium at four o'clock in the morning. Down south, the doctrine can be a little off, but they got power. Jack Howells used to say, "I never saw a theologian who could preach, or an evangelist who could read and write." You got a pastor that knows what right division is and dispensational truth, and you're in Kentucky. Do you have any idea how spoiled you are in a good way? Was there anything else, preacher? It's a joke. You're blessed here. But, uh, but uh, God wants you to know what's going on. When, when Truman was the president when I was born, and uh, I was in a church last, month, last week in Michigan. as a 94-year-old lady said, I can't come back tonight. I don't drive at night. She was there every Sunday morning. I don't know if Lincoln was president when she was born. You meet the oldest people in this room and ask them, they, you young people, no older person will tell you anything but the same thing. We've never seen things like this in our country. Craziest thing going on. In other words, hello, hello, the mulberry trees are blowing around. Something's happening. And you should know that. Turn to, turn to 1 Timothy, chapter, 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. You know, I was watching, uh, Paul gives you, Paul deals with the last days here. You got Job, the oldest book of the Bible, Chronicles, the heart of the Old Testament, Matthew 16, the gospel era, and now at the church age. Paul's going to talk about being up to snuff on what's going on. You know, preacher, the Lord showed me something in my heart just this week. It blew my mind. Blew my mind. Some of these Pharisee Christians, again, didn't like President Trump running for office, you know. Uh, we hear he has connections to the mafia. How in the world are you going to build a skyscraper in Manhattan without knowing what palms you got to grease. Are you kidding me? Like that Italian joke, how do you break up an Italian wedding? Somebody else does cements here. Italians run the construction industries, man. What do you want, a Baptist in there like Clinton or Jimmy Carter or Martin Luther King? Is that what you want? Jesse Jackson? Trump, Trump's... These, these Pharisee Christians, get, they, they get 1 Timothy 2 mixed up with 1 Timothy 3. 
1 Timothy 3 gives you the qualifications for a preacher. 1 Timothy 2 talks about kings and those that are in authority. No moral conditions. Just somebody that would give us a quiet and peaceful life. Who in the world ever saw somebody like Trump as far as pr production? It's eerie. It's not close to normal. But you know what God showed me, though, just two weeks ago in my heart? You know, brother, do you realize that Trump is showing you right now what it's going to be like in the millennial kingdom? Who has done more for the good of the country in the history of the country in, in the face of all that nonstop opposition? How could that happen? And look, the most hated man in the world. And that's what's going to be in the millennium. To show you how wicked human nature is. You're going to have Jesus running the world for a thousand years. And it's not just the revolt at the end of the tribulation period. That's just when Satan gets out and he deceives everybody. Hey, I know a way into Jerusalem. I got connections. Follow me. That's what's going to happen. But they're resisting him the whole thousand years. Did you ever think that through? That's why he's ruling with a rod of iron. Read the last chapter of Zechariah. They don't show up for those three uh, holidays, holy days in Jerusalem. God turns the rain off. No rain. He's going to throw them into the lake of fire alive. That's what Matthew's talking about. That's millennial doctrine. He's resisted the whole time. Anti-Semitism hasn't gone away. It's gone through the roof. That's a, and he's doing everything for them. That's how rotten human nature is. You're seeing that right now with President Trump. That's an object lesson God wants you to pay attention to. He's not Jesus, but he's the greatest president we've ever had next, right after Andy Jackson for the good of the common people. No, but he's got more, he's got more votes this election than any president in the history of this country. It's a picture. He's not Jesus. Hang in, hang in there. Don't get nervous. Second Timothy, I did. The, you know, I do this a lot to hold attention to people. I was. I told the preacher I was in Boyne City, Michigan, up by the UP a couple months ago, preaching Wednesday through Sunday service. Some lady comes in the back door first night, sits in the back, owns a runs a business in town, and you know, one of the church members works for invited to church. Her name is Valerie. Long story short, a lifetime Episcopalian from Boston. You know what I mean? And never been in a Baptist church, so she's kind of nervous, you know, sitting back there in the back, last row. So I'm preaching away, you know, and I'm doing this every five minutes to hold her attention. And she, she, she got on she a conviction, came to the altar, got saved, came back Thursday night, came back Friday, came back Saturday, came back Sunday, still hanging in there. She told me after that first night, she said, I kept seeing you doing that. She, she thought I was sincere. Episcopalians and Catholics. Somebody said an Episcopalian is a Catholic who flunked Latin. And she thought I was being sincere. That kept her attention until she got saved. Amen. But uh, now, so here you go. Paul, I want you to look at First Tim, uh, Second Timothy 3. Paul's going to get his head whacked off at the end of this book. And look at verse number 1. This know also that in the last days, see, Perilous times shall come. What about that? And then it says in verse 2, For men shall be. And then he lists 20 things there that are signs of the times to let you know if you're in the last days or not. Because why? 
God doesn't want you to be caught off guard. You're His children. He wants you to know He's moving around. Most of you know that, right? Now, when you read that first verse, does that look negative or positive? Perilous times shall come. Now, that word perilous right there you're looking at, that's the only verse in the Bible where that word is used. You already know it's a negative word. But if you want to know what the Webster's 1828 English Dictionary definition says, it says dangerous, hazardous, full of great risk. Could you come up with a better description that the whole world would sign its name to, to agree to for global conditions right now? Dangerous, hazardous, full of great risk. I was on an airplane the other day, some Asian woman's coming up the aisle. I'm sitting over here watching her come up the aisle, and she looks like the Goodyear commercial, you know, with the tires wrapped around the dude's body, or, or the robot from Lost in Space. She couldn't hardly get down the center aisle. She had hazmat suits on and all kinds of protection gear, and helmet on her head, and masks, just like this. I, I felt so sorry for the dude trying to squeeze next to her, sit next to her. You don't see those crazy people going down the highway, you pass them and they got a window up and a mask on and you know, a shield over their face. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So long story short, that's a day, that's a heavy word there. Now for years I used to teach this, and now it's coming, you know, it's a lot of stuff we've taken for granted through the years. I'll tell you three hymns that are jump, that ought to jump off the page and hit you in the head now. Hold the fort, for I'm coming. What a hymn now to think about. Keep on the firing line. What a good song, right? And, and maybe the best one, keep me safe till the storm passes by. Those songs mean something to us now, don't they? Now, forever I've been preaching this thing here, a timeline like we were doing before, running this way. So here's the crucifixion over here and church age running that way. Forever I've been saying, I'm not worried about that eruption of the Lamb's wrath during here, during the time of Jacob's trouble. You know that tribulation period? I'm not worried about that eruption over here because of that interruption here in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 going to take us out of here. However, with 16 grandchildren, three up in heaven, 13 running around down here, I can concern myself every so often with the disruption that's going to break out. Look, right on that side of that interruption. Because of all the corruption that's been sown into these modern Bibles by the Laodicea Bible of the Month Club generation. So you say, you say what disruption? The verse you just read. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Did you see that? You say, I'm pre-trib. So am I. But you just because you don't have to go through the tribulation period doesn't mean you don't go through the perilous times if you happen to be fortunate enough to be in that last generation where you may not sleep. But you're going to have to get through this. And that's the reason the rapture is called the blessed hope. Man, I hope I can get through this thing. And if you think what you're seeing now (laughs) is bad, Dr. Ruckman used to always talk about that Mad Magazine cartoon from World War II era your grandparents would have seen. Had a picture of a B-52 bomber pilot hanging onto the controls of his plane for all he's worth. The windshield shot out, smoke billowing out of the cockpit. 
and his co-pilot's laying next to him, bleeding to death, and the, the caption's got the pilot saying to the co-pilot, if you think this is bad, wait till we get out of the hangar. Now, God wants you to know what's going on. I, I have a little simple three-point outline, and here's the first point about what's going on based on this scripture. Turn to uh, Romans uh, chapter 6 real quick. And I've shared some of this with you before, and again, you have an excellent Bible teaching pastor, so he will have covered some of this stuff through the years. You've got a church that brings in little girls like Grace that got saved. I, preacher, did you say there was another gal that got saved with her? The other one, is the other one here this morning? Ain't that sweet? Uh, that's a beautiful thing. And uh, you get new people in here all the time. They don't know what the choir knows, you know, singing to the choir type thing, preaching to the choir. But, you know, the numbers in the Bible have a significance, don't they? We just talked about six, and six stripes, six white stripes and seven red ones. And because six is the number of man, and you got that in Revelation 13, remember? Six, 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 the number of man. That's why, again, some of you know this, uh, man was created on the sixth day. The, the, the sixth book of your Bible is the first book of the Bible that's named after a man, Joshua. And there's six letters in Joshua's name, right? And uh, you go to the book of Romans, that's the sixth book of the New Testament, six letters in Romans. Anything about man, young people in Rom uh, Romance? Young people, I'm fixing to show you something wilder than Facebook or whatever other crazy thing you might be on now. Uh, Facebook's for old people, I understand. Blah, blah, blah. All right, Romans, sixth book. Go to the, you're in the sixth chapter, Romans 6. So uh, what verse do you think we should look at? Hold it, give you a hint. Somewhere between verse 5 and 7. Okay, you, are you at Romans 6, 6, 6 now? Duh, right? All right. You folks that were here last time I showed you this, act interested, ready? Uh, read that verse to yourself, young people. Look at it and tell me what the sixth word is. Yeah, that's just a quinky dinky, isn't it? See, preacher, that's a coincidence. Well, yeah, but it's cool, like I said before, right? Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with you. Sixth book, sixth chapter, sixth verse, sixth word, man. Because six is the number of a man. Stupid NIV, it says, for we know, look, look what the NIV says, look, for we know that our old self, they add a word and change the word man to self to knock that beautiful English nugget out. Are you kidding? Hey, listen, hello neighbor, when you kick the bucket, where do they put you? Yeah, they throw you, they, they bury you, they don't cremate you six feet under, they bury you six feet under. Ooh. Sensitive issues. Uh, uh, sensitive, sensitive. I, I'm glad Jesus didn't get cremated, aren't you? I think God buried Moses. I don't know if he cremated him. I don't know. Maybe he didn't know it was cheaper. Hey, keep going, preacher. You're getting in trouble up here. Hey, when you kick the bucket, they put you six feet under. Do, do, you, do you even think the world understands why they got social distancing at? They don't have a clue, brother. That King James Bible, like Ruckman said, runs the world whether they understand it or not. So six, here's, what's that got to do with your outline? Everything. Take these unsaved people out here, these men that might not come into your church. Uh, they, they're, they're, they're spooked out by some things, and they know some things. They know 13 is a spooky number. They don't know why. 
all the elevators jump from 12 to 14 floors. You know what I mean? They don't know why 13 is a bad number. It's a number of rebellion. But wait a minute. But they, but they know, and they know something like, if, put it in file drawer 11, you know, or file 13, whatever they call it, you know, for the trash can. So the world, you men, before you were saved, there were expressions out there. Here's, a, here's that expression that lost people know, even if they, men, even if they don't read the Bible. Uh, deep six. Deep six, that thing. That means terminated. Deep six. When you're deep six, you're dead. First point of my little three-point outline about current conditions in this country. Number one, uh, deep six. Going to be plenty. Listen, are you saved this morning? No. Then please listen. (laughs) Hello. See that clock? It's ticking. And one day it times up. My spirit shall not always strive with man. If you're not saving, you can even feel a little bit of a prick even now. You ought to jump up and scream. You should be so happy. He's still dealing with you. The guy that wrote the 23rd Psalm said, When I consider the sun and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art even mindful of him? You even pay that much attention to me? Uh, There's going to be plenty of death between now and the end of this thing. How do I know that? Well, you just read it. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. You're just starting to see the beginning. Whether Trump pulls this thing out or not isn't going to change what's coming. It's how long do we ride this thing through till he gets us out of here. So if you're not saved, hello, guess what? Time to get saved. And listen, if you're not really spiritual now, could you explain that to me where it can make sense now? He's ready to, he's almost here. Look, watch, watch. Don't miss it, look. Look, you're on the Mason-Dixon line here. You get northerners in here a lot, right? This ain't the deep south. Don't look at me that shocked. Down, down deeper south. They're genteel down there. You know the difference between a Yankee and a Southerner? A Southerner can be patting you on the back while he's planning your funeral. Bless your heart. I know I live in East Tennessee, man. They don't call it the deep south for nothing, amen. Up north, a guy can walk into a cancer ward and say, what's eating you, Bo? They both need a little work, amen. Jump back to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 again. So the first point of my message is deep six. Unfortunately, there's going to be plenty of death between now and the end. Now, I want you to look at verse um, 2. For men shall be. Now you've got 20 signs Paul gives here. For men shall be. Look. Look at, again, I may have shared this last time, but look, look, all you young people here, would you look at the first one? Lovers of their own selfies. Look at that. 2,000 years ago, the Holy Ghost told Paul, they're going to be such a dingbat era, generation, at the end, make this number one out of 20. 
lovers of their own selves. How could you come up with something crazier than that? <laughs> Listen, young people, don't be too impressed with these things. Moses was downloading data from a cloud onto his tablets a long time before that Silicon Valley was over here. And if you miss this one, over there in Corinthians, he says, we're not ignorant of his devices. Devices, lest Satan get an advantage over it. Those words have been in that English Bible for 500 years. All right, now look at here. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Hey, look at here. Without natural affection. There's your abortions and your husbands shooting their children and wives instead of protecting them, and your nutty Baptist turning on Israel. All this unnatural stuff, right? Now, let me, let me show you something that will be a real blessing to you. When you start studying lists of prophetic signs of the times, especially the list over there on the Mount of Olives in Matthew 24, good, sincere Christian people that want to know something always get confused with those lists because those signs don't look significant. Jesus, they said, Jesus, when, what are the signs of your return? He says, well, they'll be looking for wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines, and good, sincere people say, good night, what kind of a sign is that? That stuff's been around for centuries, those things. Correct? Here's the answer. How many mothers in here? Raise your hand. Mothers. Ask any lady with the hand up. She can explain it to you. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Real quick. 1 Thessalonians 5. Brother Johnny down here, he's not even a mother, but he knows the answer. He just spit it out here. He just spit it out. 1 Thessalonians 5. No chapter and verse divisions in the original autographs, okay? Chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, dealing with the rapture. It's continuing right through. Chapter and verse divisions put in there later for you to break it up a little. But look what Paul's letter continues in verse 1. Watch. But of the time, see, and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a what? Thief in the night. Why is Jesus coming at the rapture called, called a thief in the night? He's a body snatcher. Or rob those graves. Verse 3. For when they, and by the way, he's coming in the night. Verse 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as what? Travail upon a woman with child. You all see that? Now watch this neighbor over there in Matthew 24, right after God's talk, the Lord's talking about all those signs to look for. He says all of these are the beginning of what? Sorrows. Ask any mother in this room if those labor pains don't intensify the closer you get to that delivery. In sorrow shalt thou conceive. Genesis 3. When you start seeing those earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and famines start escalate, get ready. You know what Dr. Ruckman used to say, preacher, when I was first saved and grounded under a lot of his teaching? I, I, this is one of the things I just thought was a little over the top. I didn't pay attention to it. He used to take, talk about believing that we could have atomic war before the rapture. I didn't much think about that. Boy, can't you see the Supreme Court ruling for Trump? By the way, do you know what happened Friday? Friday, 
Roberts woke up and realized he's a conservative. And he realigned the Supreme Court justices as to which uh, circuit, uh, uh, federal circuits that the nine justices are in control over. And he realigned them. And he put uh, Clarence Thomas in charge of the district and, take, and covers Georgia. And uh, Co uh, Amy Coney Barrett got Wisconsin. And, uh, 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 and Kavanaugh got, uh, uh, got uh, what do you call it, North Carolina, uh, uh, Georgia. No, he got, um, uh, 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 what's his name, got, uh, got Pennsylvania. Alito got Pennsylvania. And what's his name, uh, Kavanaugh uh, got the other one that's uh, in question. Uh, was, uh, who? Who? Michigan. Michigan, absolutely. And that was different than the last one in 2018. Uh, that Jewish gal, Sotomayor, she, I mean, Kagan, Elaine Kagan, had Michigan and Wisconsin. He took both of those away from her, put her out in Arizona and Nevada, but gave four of the six questionable states now in the hands of these uh, constitutionalist Supreme Court justices. Because they're the ones that will decide if in the, in the individual states where the suits are hanging up, if they want to appeal to the Supreme Court, they're the ones that get to decide if it goes up to the court or not. Lord's doing some wild things. But if, but if this thing crashes and burns, it gets dragged out, and, and, and if they give it to Trump, and his blood, I heard crazy Bill O'Reilly, which I wouldn't trust as far as you could throw that piano. That's just, he's just, that's just my opinion. He said, well, even if the, even if the, the court gets the case and, and they know Trump's right, they're only humans. And they probably won't rule for Trump because they know the civil disorder that'll come about. That's what I heard him say the other day. Wait a minute. If they give it to Trump and the civil disorder, boy, that might make a pretty good time for Russia and China to attack this country while we're fighting each other in the streets and the military split, anything could be happening. I'm no big Hollywood fan, but most folks know about that crazy movie Red Dawn. You see these South American communist troops parachuting into American fields. Anything's possible. And if Trump gets in there, he's going to tell China to take a flying leap with regard to the money we owe. Maybe they won't take that lying down. Anything's possible. I believe there's at least a 50% chance that you could start seeing a nuclear war between now and the rapture. You had two nuclear bombs dropped in the 20th century against nations that couldn't retaliate. Remember the labor pains? Watch it take off. That's, that's, in, that's what we're waiting to see. Well, like that, we got a sign there, uh, disobedient to parents. There's always been disobedient children. In the Roman Empire, they had a little area that if you disobeyed your parents, you were hung upside down by your heels for several hours and people would spit on you and cuss at you when they'd go by and whack you with a stick or something. You know, that was, that was in the Roman society. And at the end of the day or whatever, they cut the kid down, he went home and he was a good boy. And the Jews had it rougher than that in Deuteronomy, right? You had an incorrigible kid, you brought him to, the father brought him to the elders and the father threw the first stone. And then the elders finished them off. I used to have a sermon on Father's Day I would preach called Father, the Family Executioner. Right? See? So you had, dis remember back to the labor pains. That's a sign that disobedient to parents. I don't get it. Yeah, but now, now the children are so disobedient to their parents and it's so out of control. Go home and get your dictionary out 
and see if there's not a new word in there, patricide. The murder of parents by their children. Started with those Menendez brothers in Los Angeles. Remember that? Kabish. So you've got 20 signs here of what to look for for the last. You got one in there, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You got a stupid TV show on ESPN called The Religion of Sports. So you understand this stuff. It's starting to accelerate like labor pains because we're getting close to the delivery. Now, here I got three little points. First point is deep six. Now we go to the second point. Well, what's behind all this stuff? This COVID stuff. Is it a pandemic or a plandemic, you know? And you know, the older the older you are in this room, the more suspicious you are. Yes? All right. Let's see if the light of if the word of God can shed any light on this. Two thousand years ago. The Holy Spirit told Paul, now for those end-day crazy Christians in the 21st century, put lovers of their own selfies on there first. They'll, they'll see that. Let me show you another one he gave you to let you know when things are getting out of control, what's going on. Is this, is this accidental or is this like a, a conspiracy? Hey, can I tell you something? I got a 900-page book on conspiracy history in this country, okay? And I believe we went to the moon. Thank you very much. Elvis has left the building. And if you think the world is flat, go play out there in the street with the people that don't vote. But don't talk to me about the earth is flat, okay? I don't care what you put in the plate. Okay? And I believe the Sandy Hook shooting in New Jersey was real. That wasn't make-believe. But there's tons of conspiracies out there. You don't go one book in the Bible, Genesis, to the Joseph's brothers are conspiring. They tried to get Paul through conspiracy when he used his nephew to get him out of that jail. Look the way, look in the concordance. The word's all through the, the Bible. But would you like to see a sign of the times? It might have something to do with it. You know, the devil is going to get a hold of the whole world pretty soon. America has to get knocked out. You know? Well, what sign is it? There's 20 of them you said there. I'll tell you the number. It's number 15. And instead of you going nuts trying to read through there now and find it, how about if I tell you exactly where it is? Ready? 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 First word. First word of verse 4. What is it? What is it? Traitors. <laughs> What's that doing in there? And if you look up at the verse in front of it, there's something about uh, false accusers. <laughs> That doesn't sound like something Trump's been through for four years, does it? False accusers. See that traitors thing? There's always been traitors, correct? Enemy within the gate. Cicero wrote a book, remember? Um, when America got started, about right here, did you have any traitors? I think you got a guy named Benedict Arnold, betrayed Niagara Falls, uh, Constitution Island from West Point, remember that? Blah, blah, blah. But see, here's the thing. When America got started, the traitors were there, but they were the exception. The British citizens that wouldn't join the revolution, they were called loyalists, and the American citizens, they, weren't, they didn't betray, they just never got involved. But the ones that were for Washington and stabbed them in the back, that's what a traitor would be. Benedict Arnold fit that rule, but the ex he's the exception when America got started. The rule were men like Nathan Hale. I wonder how many kids even in Christian school have learned about him. All those old codgers learned about that school, Christian school teacher from Connecticut that was a spy for George Washington and he got caught and they hung him. 
His last words, young people on the scaffold, I regret that I have but one life to lose for my country, give my country. That was the norm back then. You get to the end of America now, it's opposite. It's opposite. Traitors were there in the beginning. Now the mushroom, it is mushroomed to where they're the rule. Rhino Republicans, anti-Trump Republicans, Na Nancy Pelosi's tearing a, pre a, pe a president's speech up on camera, the news media cutting off the president, Twitter cutting Trump, the president of the United States off and making tweets. What the snot is going on? And by the way, the Bible's filled with explanations. How come nobody's going to jail? That's what everybody wants to know. And what happened, right? I don't know. Maybe Isaiah 59, 14 has something to do with it. Truth falling on the streets. That's your book been thrown out. And equity cannot enter. No more equity. Well, we, we got to wait for him to show up now. It, it, it ain't going to happen. But see, today, in our, in our generation, how many of you old timers remember Senator Jesse Helms from North Carolina? You know what his nickname was? Senator No. Because he told the UN, no, 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 all the time. He was a saved Baptist from North Carolina. They hated his guts. They claim he was the most patriotic congressman and senator we had in the 20th century. You understand? And God took him home right before Obama got elected. I'm sorry, Jesse, you don't want to see this. Come on up here and make But men like, in our day now, men like Jesse Helms and Donald Trump are the exception to the rule. Now the rule is everything that's, that's swamp. So preachers say, what's your uh, second point of your outline? Well, the first point is deep six. Second point is deep state. There's plenty of corruption out there trying to get this country to be knocked off the map. There's a guy named Alex Jones. He's an unsaved man. He's a super patriot. He runs around with some nuts that give him wrong information a lot, but 80% of what he usually puts out is pretty much right on target. He give you the documents to show you the world government that the Europeans are focused on constantly over in Switzerland, Davos, Switzerland. The big reset, their big conference every January. They're all pulling for Trump to get knocked out. They want a world government. It's, it's Prince Charles, George Soros, all these perverts. That's what has to happen. You can't get nervous about it. But you shouldn't be completely ignorant of it either, or you can't go crazy. Preacher, you know my book on conspiracy history? The middle chapter of the book is called Attitude Check. If you ever see a guy gets nervous in a battlefield, he freezes, right? And his friend says, let's go, and he's just frozen, remember that? And his friend slaps him in the face, and he says, oh, thanks, I needed that. And then he gets going. I got a chapter in there for Christians. Don't go crazy with conspiracy history. You'll drive every church nuts and every preacher nuts. You know a little bit about it. So, well, is it in the Bible? Well, gee, Wally, Satan says to Jesus, you see all this power in the world here? All of this is given to me, and I give it to whoever I will. Dr. Ruckman used to say uh, Adam lost the, uh, the earth to the devil in a crap game, and Satan now is the god of this world. He controls things, and he gives that power to anybody he wants to give it to. Back to that unsaved man out here, remember, that won't come to church? But he knows what deep six means. He knows what the old expression means, selling your soul to the devil. The other day, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, were, they're, they're, they're both turning 76 preacher or 77 this year. 
Keith Richards said, we're going to rock for a turn through eternity. He's going to be a great grandfather any day. Hey, young people, you know how sick that pervert is, Keith Richards? His father kicked the bucket the other day and they cremated him. Keith Richards took his father's ashes and mixed it in with some cocaine and snorted his own father's ashes. That's what's out there in cuckoo land out there. You think it's kooky in a Baptist church like this? Go out there with those crazy people. How do you think those guys are still rocking? It's called making a deal with the devil. He's the God of this world. Pandemic or plandemic? Well, did this mess start in... Uh... Let me show you something. When I was here last time, I didn't show you this. I don't know why I didn't. I know I didn't. But this uh, book on conspiracy history, the man that invented the neutron bomb, I told you last time, wrote a four-page reference for me. His name was Sam Cohen. He's dead now. He worked on the atom bomb in 1943 and invented the neutron bomb in 1958. The neutron bomb is so powerful and so bizarre a weapon. If there's a thousand Falu uh, you know, Fal uh, ISIS fighters over there in Fallujah somewhere, you don't have to send your treasure in there, house to house, our boys, shoot out, rat, you know, rat out those ragheads. You take one neutron bomb and fire it into that neighborhood, and in 30 minutes, all thousand of those soldiers are as dead as a hammer. The organs burned out from the inside, and there isn't one broken window. No blast, just enhanced radiation. Now, here's the man that invented that thing. He told me the rabbis got on his case. He said, what do you want? I, I created a kosher bomb. What's your problem? He told me. <laughs> Let me tell you something he wrote in this book back in 2005, okay? You want to see something appropriate to what we're dealing with right now with COVID? Quote, most Americans are totally oblivious to their precarious surroundings. Several years ago, my longtime friend and colleague, Joe Douglas, authored a book, America the Vulnerable, The Threat of Chemical and Biological Warfare. I went through the trouble to get you a picture of the cover of that man's book he's quoting. Picture the Statue of Liberty with a gas mask on. Put your seatbelt on. Whose forward to the book contained the following statement, quote, while the United States debates the development of a massive defense effort against nuclear attack, the fact remains that this nation is almost entirely defenseless against chemical, biological, and toxin weapons of mass destruction. Some of these weapons may already be secreted within our borders. Others could be synthesized by our enemies within a matter of hours or days at the most. Don't miss this one. Indeed, it is doubtful that most biological attacks would even be recognized for what they are. Even if it could be proven with certainty that the outbreak of a particular disease was not a natural occurrence, and instead was deliberately instigated, it would be almost impossible to pinpoint the exact source. See that deep state stuff? And what did I show you when I was here last time? Plenty of weird things. I showed you this last time. Remember that sneak attack on Pearl Harbor? Showed you that last time. Largest newspaper in Hawaii, Honolulu Advertisement. 
There's their front page headline, seven days before the attack. November the 30th, 1941. Boy, we're getting around November 30th anniversary now. Look, here it is on the headline, look. Japanese may strike over weekend. <laughs> Some sneak attack. Here's the article, leaders call troops back in Singapore, Hawaii troops alerted. Three words as clear as bell. No stick and sneak attack. That's deep state stuff. And then I showed you this last time. One page behind that. Here's a page out of the Federal Register in Washington, the official record of the government. This is page 9097, entered into the record on November the 7th, 1942. Say, so where'd you find that? On the internet? No, it was mailed to me with a stamp on the envelope from the Library of Congress Law Department at my request. I don't believe in fake news, no time for it. Here's a whole article about one of the largest banks in America, the Union Banking Corporation of New York. They got busted in the middle of the war. They got caught money laundering for Hitler and the Third Reich and had the assets frozen under the authority of the Trading with the Enemy Act. Just read it yourself. Page 905 in my book. So what, 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 what's that got to do with the deep state? I don't know. Here's the six board members of the bank. Fourth name, Prescott Bush. 41's daddy, the future senator of Connecticut, the family that wouldn't spit on Trump in 2016. But no problem keeping Mr. Hitler in business. Do you understand now what deep state means? It's as real as the Bible is real. And it's something we've got to endure now. And by the way, it really gets freakier than that. I'll show you something if you promise not to fall out of the seat and hit your head and start a lawsuit for the church. Okay? You got heart monitor? Just do this. I'm serious. I'm going to show it to you. Here's a book. This author was in the news this week, preacher, for writing his 60th book, I think it was. I think. Dean Kuntz is the author's name. Here's a picture of one of his books, front cover. This is called The Eyes of Darkness. It came out in 1981. It's a, it's a fiction book about a murder at a campsite, a campground somewhere. But in the book, he has a pandemic going around the world. You know, fiction, but a deal just like we're dealing with tonight. <laughs> Can I show you what he says uh, on page 555? Here's a photocopy of, from the page. The Russians call the stuff Gorky 400. That's a city in Russia. Because it was developed at their RDNA labs outside of Gorky. And it was the 400th viable strain of man-made microorganisms created at that research center. Okay, got that? 1981, this make-believe pandemic going around the world comes out of Gorky, Russia. The Gorky 400, it's called. You know. Yeah, I know, but uh, let me show you this one. In 2008, 12 years ago, he redid his page. <laughs> Here's a copy of the page. Same, same exact paragraph, except now it says they call the stuff Wuhan 400, 12 years ago, because it was developed at their RDNA labs outside of the city of Wuhan, and it was a 400 strain, la, 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 la. Wuhan 400 is a perfect weapon. It afflicts only human beings, and on and on it goes, describing kind of what we're dealing with today, 12 years ago. Now it's Wuhan 400. Can I explain something to you? Do you ever pray to God? He's your God. Don't you pray to Him? And does He answer you? Sure. Satan is the God of this world. 
Jesus bawled the Pharisees out, you're of your father the devil. Don't you think the Keith Richards and the Michael Jacksons and all these freaks pray to him? And he gives them plenty of answers. But they're always skewed. Gene Dixon will be right on the money. Nostradamus will be right on the money. And then off the wall they go other ways. Satan doesn't take care of his kids like our father takes care. But they do get some weird direction many times. I watched my mother with a Ouija board trying to get in touch with her mother going all over the kitchen table. I'm 10 years old. One year later, she's out of here. Took her own life. That stuff's freaky. But you want to see something freakier than this? When this book come out, this edition, 2008, same year, this, this witch puts a book out. Sylvia Brown. Psychic. Hello. Here's her book. Same year. The End of Days. Predictions and Prophecies about the End of the World. There's the front cover of the book. She's dead. The other dude's still living. You want to see what she said? <laughs> This, this group looks too frightened. I'm not going to show them to them. <laughs> Preach. In around the year 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived, attack again ten years later, then disappear completely. Traitors. God told you to look for traitors. And, if it, and by the way, in 2005, a movie came out, V for Vendetta. Most of you have heard of it. About a pandemic spreading around the world coming out of Britain. And the press and the government has the whole world in lockdown. Just like today. Back in 2005, except in the movie, I don't recommend you look at it. They, they have the year 2020 of that epidemic, pandemic, 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 whatever. Don't be shocked if the devil gets to run around and do some stuff. He is the God of this world. Hey, the Christians have thrown out their, faith, their, their faithfulness to the Lord. Which leads me to the last point of the message, three little points. Deep six and deep state. Now turn to 2 Timothy 4 and we'll end the message. Tonight we'll have something real positive. We'll deal with the nation of Israel. The only game in town now that America is on the way out the door. But uh, don't leave till you get the ending of this one because the ending of this is bad, bad news. Okay? No, uh, no chapter and verse divisions between chapter 3 and chapter 4. In the original letter, right? One long letter. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, preachers at the last days of the church age. Charles Stanley sitting on a stool behind a pulpit talking to people is not preaching. Preach the word. Hey, watch this one. Be instant in season and out of season. You know what that says in the Greek? Pre-COVID and post-COVID. Say amen right there. All right? Reprove negative, rebuke negative, exhort positive, two-thirds negative, preaching in the last days. Just like the gospel is two-thirds negative. All these stupid Republican conservative women, suburban women, I don't like Trump's way he says things. I'm going to vote for Biden because he says stuff nice. 
you know, like those silly women Paul told you to look for in the last days in that list of 20 things. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, ex- re- oh, like the gospel is two-thirds negative, death, burial, and resurrection positive. All right, now all that to say this, get ready for this. Here it is. This is going to hurt neighbor. Paul told the church to wake up three times. Okay? He told them to wake up in Romans 13, 11, Ephesians 5, 14, and 1 Thessalonians 5. We already read the passages. Remember during that Philadelphia church age when they didn't have to hold fast anymore, preacher? Remember? They had all kind of revivals and then the church would drop off to sleep. Remember? So they'd have to have a what? A great awakening. Wake them up. That's what happened. But when you get into the last days, chapter 3, verse 1 begins talking about the last subject of Paul's writing. When you get there, there's no waking up. When they go out, they stay out in that REM sleep. You know that deep sleep. There it is, verse 3. I've quoted this verse to you before. For the time will come when they will not believe sound doctrine. Is that what your Bible reads? No. All, how many of you know a saved person in this town? You know what I mean. You all do. That believes the Bible, but they just don't want to endure it anymore. And that's why they're looking for the nightclub churches that will give them whatever they want. Am I right? You old timers saw there are people. You know that. And preacher, you know what, can I tell you something? Most of the time I'll tell the preacher, look, you'll never fill this, this building up. And it's usually a third full. This is above par here. Penalty box over here, the Sanhedrin sitting over here. <laughs> Spillover crowd. You're, you're pretty blessed here, okay? Can I stay here? The staff evangelist. Now look, here it is. We're laughing, but it's too sad to explain. I'll be done in just a couple of minutes. Look at verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned to Lion King. Oh, I mean to fables. But watch thou in all things, do endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. You see, when you get into the last days, there's no waking the, those sleepy Christians up. When they go out, they're just out. And that's sad. And my mother mentioned committed suicide. Many of you know people that have done that. People commit suicide because they lose hope. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Is that right? Do you know the last generation of Christian people that are fighting for God, that Philadelphia remnant alive at the end of the Laodicean age? The nuts that we look like we are tonight. Do you know how, how much it takes for you to be an extra, genuine, faithful Christian? How unique you have to be? You know how unique you have to be? You've got to be able to fight those tendencies to suicide, spiritually suicide, because you can't affect the change. All through Philadelphia, they can always affect the change. Go down to that big revival in North Carolina a few years ago. See how many liquor stores closed out. They're all running wide open. That wasn't any Bible historical revival. It was a nice little thing, I guess. I'm sorry, neighbor. You know, that's what it says. You know how sick this, this Laodicean church age is? I was in Detroit airport about two months ago coming back from Colorado. I'm coming down an escalator. 
There's not 20 people in the airport back in those days. Remember, it was like a ghost town. Sure. I promise you, neighbor, I'm going down the, the escalator. There's a black dude, you know, three times as big as Johnny the Baptist, standing behind me. If he wasn't on the next step behind me, he was no more than two behind me. Nobody in the airport. You know what I mean? I, when I grew up, every time I would close my windows, it hit somebody's fingers. So, you know, I'm always, you know, I'll... I'm, I'm aware of my, my surroundings, you know. I could hear the guy breathing, you know, COVID time. And finally, I got a hello, acknowledge he's there. Hey, how you doing? I just looked around, how you doing? He says this to me, pulls a bag out of his pocket. If you told me this, I wouldn't believe it. Pull the bag out of his pocket. He says, hey, bro, you want to smoke some weed? <laughs> now, I was working at an airport when I got saved in Philadelphia. You don't smoke weed in an airport. I, I was so shocked. I didn't know what to say. I grew up with Ralph Crandon with the honeymooners. All I could say is this exact quote. I said, are you nuts? That's all I said. And he looked at me with shock. And I don't know why I added this, but then I said this. I said, I'm a preacher on top of that. And then he got a big smile on his face, and this is what he said, and I quote. He said, well, I'm a graduate of Liberty University in Lynchburg. And he spit off the year he graduated, the, you know, the education major. You know, I changed my life's verse right there. Forty-five years I've been signing Matthew 25, 21. My new life's verse is, be me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here anymore. That's the school where the president just resigned for, you know, smoking, drinking something with her pants opened up with the whore on the cover of, you know what I mean. What he did was his moral condition. What he posted it on his own Facebook page shows his mental condition. Now, wait a minute. That's Laodicea. I'll tell you one more illustration. I was in New York the other day. God gave me a Corona Crusade right around March. I preached it, uh, 30 times in 27 days in 16 churches, 13 in New York State, with dodging Cuomo's black helicopters and all. I'm driving up the highway. Somebody tells me to, about a church in New York that would probably want to have me. I had one date open on my whole calendar. I called this church, got the assistant pastor, and this is what he said. Preacher, we'd love to have you. I just want you to know that we're not a Baptist church. Well, we're strong King James. I don't know, Bible, community, something like that. I didn't spit on the guy. I said, I got two books I wrote about Baptist history, so I only preach in Baptist churches. And then this is what the guy says. He says, well, I don't want you to think that we weren't interested in the subject. He said, several years ago, our men looked into changing to a Baptist church. And when he went to Albany, the capital of New York, the government, he said, we found out it would be $1,500 in legal fees, you know, to change. And then he said this with a laughter in his voice. Ready? He says, and that wasn't about to happen. <laughs> Waiting for me to laugh. Yeah. Come on, preacher. Yeah. I didn't see anything funny about that. No. And after about a 10-second pause, you know what I said? I said, did you ever read there when the Lord was Abraham was negotiating with the Lord about destroying Sodom and Gomorrah? 50, 40, 30, 20. Remember that? I said, uh, hey, bub. What if they would have told you the paperwork would be 50 bucks? That's right. Would you have become a Baptist for $50? That's right. he, he, he didn't say anything. You know what I did right then, Kentucky people? Right then, I pulled over on the shoulder of the road. I was right there at I-75, Mom Marker 90, where Andrew Tribble's grave is. I just told you about it. I stopped the car, rolled the window down, took a picture, and sent him the picture. <laughs> That Baptist preacher's grave that founded the first Baptist church of Boonesboro. 
said, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Christian by conversion, and I'm a Baptist by conviction. And if you think I'm crazy, talk to Johnny the Baptist right down there. That's Laodicea, neighbor. And by the way, if you want to know how sick it is, you know how sick it is, Laodicea? You know how sick it is, coronavirus? By the way, CV stands for Christ is the vaccine, if you're interested. But the CV, 19, you know, you know how messed up it is? It's, it's even broke out up there, up in heaven. I said, what are you talking about, preacher? I married a nurse. Married a nurse. Anybody in a medical profession can tell you that in a hospital, when they want to induce vomiting, they use lukewarm water. How did God describe the Laodicean age? You're neither cold nor hot. You're like Fox News. I would that thou were cold or hot. I'd rather have you watching CNN. It's cold all the time. Than... Okay. Wait a minute. He said, and because you're lukewarm, because you're rich and increased with good, I'll spew you out of my mouth. This church age makes God sick to his own stomach by his own admission. That's where you are tonight. And that's the age that's not going to wake up because it's out. And you've got to persevere with suicidal temptations because you can't change anything. And that's why, preacher, that's why when Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.13, evil men will wax worse and worse like a candle burning and the wax globbing down. That's, that's the end day corruption that's never going to change. The next verse says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast heard. Never quit. Just put up with the stinking nasty results you're going to have. That's why that girl at Subway blew my mind this morning. She looked like she'd been saved her whole life. I'm so glad I left my cigarettes in the truck. I didn't know she was a church member. I kind of walked in. Okay, I'm done. One verse here, and I'm done. I told you it's a three-point outline. Every preacher's got three points in a poem. Every joke's got three parts to a punchline because threes, are, we're trinities, we're reflection of God. Yes, no, maybe, mother, father, child, past, present, future, red light, green light, yellow light, I'm not going to fall down the steps of my eyes closed. I'm all right. And uh, hello, uh, Manny, uh, Mo, Larry, and Curly, amen. You know why Italians can't count to ten. Every time they get to two, they run into a tree. I'm all done with my message. I made the mistake of reading the outline to my wife, and she wrecked the whole sermon. I'm at the kitchen table showing her what I just showed you, okay? Here's the last verse I, I read to her, and I'm done with this. Look at verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. Isn't that great? I showed that to my wife, and you know what she said? She said, honey, that looks like deep space. We're launching out of here pretty soon. Aren't you glad to know that great truth? We're going out of here. I got a sermon on the rapture called The Trumpet's Out of the Case. It's getting close, neighbor. I'll be preaching in Branson, Missouri next, uh, right after Thanksgiving. Preacher out there, last time I preached this in his church, preacher, he said, I got one for the millennium, deep dish, amen. <laughs> said, no, you nut, it's got to have an S on it. Okay. Can we go home positive? Let me show you this and we'll get out of here. Uh, is it, are we almost ready to go? I'll show you one scripture that will leave you, leave you encouraged. Look at Second Chronicles real quick. 
Every time I preach this sermon, I get good... Rec- I was just down in Florida preaching to a, ma- a, a Marvelous Grace Girls Home in Pace, Florida. Brother Blankenship said, can you preach that sermon to these girls, Deep Six? I said, I, that's, that's a kind of a heavy message for a bunch of girls in reform school. Yeah, he said, but I heard it the other day. So everybody likes this message because it helps them. So let me give you the, a closing verse to encourage your life. Second Chronicles, watch this, verse 20. Second Chronicles 20. It's getting crazy out there. It's going to get crazier yet, okay? Remember jumping Jehoshaphat? He got surrounded by the Moabites, and Israel was going to get wiped out. Looks pretty, de- looks pretty rough on America now, doesn't it? And the good guys, doesn't it? Well, it was the same way. And look at Jehoshaphat's prayer. Just one verse. Look at verse 12. Oh, our God. This is Jehoshaphat praying for Israel. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Doesn't that sound like right this minute, Christian? Well, look what it says. Neither know we what? What to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What's the rest of the verse say? Our eyes are on thee. Ain't that good? You know where I'm keeping my eyes? I'm keeping my eyes, look, anywhere but this way. I'm going to do like Jesus said when you see these things, tribulation passage, but it sure could work at the end of the church age. When you see these things come to pass, lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. Our eyes are upon thee. Now look, this is exactly the last thing I'm going to tell you. But if you quote me on this, Jack Howe's famous line, if you repeat this, I'll deny it. If this is on Facebook, you need to cut this off of Facebook. They're going to sue me. (laughs) Listen. I'm going to show you something. I don't, I don't believe what I'm going to show you. I don't believe. I'm going to let you, if you're dumb enough to believe it, I'll let you believe it. I'm just going to show it to you. Are you ready, neighbor? Jack Howe said when he was a young preacher in Texas in the 1940s, all the preachers were predicting the rapture date. You know how they used to do that? And they were all getting, shooting down in flames. He said, I was too smart for that. He said, but one year I got especially excited and I said, I guarantee to his church, I guarantee you the Lord's coming this year. He just didn't say when. Somebody said, what happened? He said, well, we had a wild December. He said, January was a little rough. I was in New Hampshire for a week staying with a friend of mine preaching to two churches. The preacher's wife said, the man's wife said, preacher, can I show you something really weird? And this is what this woman showed me two months ago. I don't believe it. Well, in public, I'll tell you that. In private, I might, but I can't preach it. But it sure is funny. Does anybody have a Schofield Bible in front of you? Wonderful. Will you do me all a favor? We'll leave at this verse. Go to the last two verses of the Bible, and we'll quit. Because that's what we're all waiting for, deep space. We're ready to blow out of this joint. I want the upper taker, not the undertaker. Don't Listen, if you're going to get a cemetery plot, put it on time payments. Don't buy cash. Okay. Now, you all got a, you guys that got a Schofield reference Bible, right? Look at Revelation 22, verse 19. After verse 19, you got a little paragraph heading there, right? Can somebody, what do you men, that, some, what do you men, would you read the paragraph heading right after verse 19, the last, whatever it says there? With a Schofield note. Read it real loud. Right. Right. The last promise and the last prayer of the Bible. 
We've seen that if you've got a Schofield look. And what do those last verses say? He which, cometh, test, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with you all. Amen. The last promise and the last prayer of the Bible. Isn't that beautiful? You know what that preacher, you know what that lady said to me up in New Hampshire? She said, Brother Grady, look at those last two verses there. What's those last two verses? What numbers? 2021. <laughs> Ain't that too funny? Doesn't the Lord have a sense of humor for his children? Who knows? I don't know. I'm not going to say that on the record. But I'll tell you this, neighbor, that'll keep me excited till December 31st, 2021. If Trump gets vindicated, his last, the last Trump gets inaugurated in January 2021. If he gets booted out, he gets, the last Trump gets booted out in January 2021. All the modern Bibles say trumpet. King James says Trump twice, both times dealing with the rapture. And you want trumpet? Well, just take Trump Pence. Trump Pence. Preacher, would you come ahead? Don't get excited, young uh, God's people. Just hang tough. Aren't you glad you, you know your boss is in control of everything? He knows what's happened. Let's just keep looking up. It ain't over till it's over. Thank you for letting me take you a little later than normal. I do when I'm